Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. HomeKit's slow rollout, a new Nest camera, an oven that takes pictures of your food, and talking about how to make dumb appliance smart with Shane Dyer of Iran. All on this episode of the Smart Home Show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Smartum Show. This is Mike Wolf. It's Saturday, June 13th, the first Saturday of summer, at least according to my kids because they just finished school yesterday. So now I have to figure out how to uh, keep them busy while working because I work from home. So uh, that's always the balance I do. And many of you are also now having your kids out or if you're kids, you're now on vacation. Congratulations. If you're a college student, congratulations. Uh, but let's get into the the smart home world, shall we? Today's guest is Shane Dyer, who is the CEO of Arrayant. And uh, Shane and I talk about how to make dumb appliances smart, essentially. And really, uh, it's an interesting conversation because Shane's company is one of those, as he calls it, Switzerland platforms that provides this IoT or smart home-based uh, software and cloud to make things like Whirlpool products connect to the smart home, connect to the internet, etc. And we start off first talking about the news of the week. We talk about HomeKit and the kind of the slow rollout that Apple's had. We talk about the new Nest camera and Nest in general. And then we talk about the new June oven, which was released this week. And that's interesting because it's a couple big time execs from Apple, Path, Dig. And these guys raised uh, $7 million, had 22 engineers working behind the scenes for a year and a half. And they came out with this oven. So we talk about that. It's actually kind of pretty relevant because Sheen is pretty familiar with that world as well. So so that's it. I'm going to get into it pretty quick. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do. Just go to iTunes or go to technology.fm. And as I told you last week, we're launching our first event called the Smart Kitchen Summit. If you want to support us or you're just curious about the future of the connected kitchen and how smart home technology will change the way we cook and work around food, how we will interact in this in what I think is one of the most important rooms in the house. Check us out on Facebook, go to smartkitchensummit.com or, or look for us on Twitter, like us, follow us, etc. We appreciate it. That's it for now. Here's my conversation with Shane Dyer of Arrayant. How's it going, Shane? It's going very well. Were you paying attention to the keynote for the Worldwide Developers Conference on Monday? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Does everyone, I, I just wonder if like everyone just stops what they're doing and like tunes in and watches like, is that what happens? I mean, maybe it is. I think it is. I, I think somewhat. I think somewhat. It's always, it's always hard because there's lots of different interpretations about what, uh, what, what goes on there. But, um, um, but it certainly, it certainly affects um, um, our industry, especially in IoT. Yeah. And for people who don't know, and we're going to get into your company a little bit more as we talk about uh, appliances and getting these, what are pretty dumb devices normally onto the smart home and IoT side of things. That's what your company does. You build, you have infrastructure and software to do that. And we'll get into that. But I want to talk about, uh, so people know where, where you're coming from. I just want to mention that up front. But, you know, with regards to HomeKit, I feel like that it's, you know, I wrote a piece for, uh, for my own newsletter and I just kind of feel generally that the, 
they're doing what I would call like an extremely soft launch. And I think there's a reason for that, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I feel like, and, and, and if you go to the news cycle, you know, Stacy Higginbotham had a broke the news or had a piece that, you know, uh, they were delaying it. And then mm-hmm. Apple actually responded, which if you get Apple to respond, mm-hmm. that's like a big deal. And they said, they pushed back saying, no, it's not delayed. I feel like they were both right in that, you know, it's, it's coming out slowly. Um, and you know they 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 didn't want to announce a delay, but they only really had one or two products shipping right now. They announced there's four products on their website right now that they mm-hmm. say are HomeKit compatible. Five 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 different companies. So it's just really coming out very slow. Is it is it something that's maybe taking a little bit longer than you think they originally anticipated? Well, this stuff's a little harder than it looks. Um, I think that probably the you know one of the big drivers were that um, you know especially the manufacturers were trying to see what, you know, how HomeKit fit into their strategy. Um, there was probably very few of them that could, you know, dedicate a HomeKit-only product. Um, so I think a number of them had to sort of fold in, okay, how am I going to build products that that work for the, you know, Apple's ecosystem, but also, you know, may fold into works with Nast for Google or may fold into uh, other ecosystems with service providers or others that may be interesting. So I think, you know, from the point of view of the manufacturers, they were very much uh, had even more complicated strategies than just HomeKit to work out. And I think that just takes a little bit of time. From their perspective, you know, I think most of them are sort of trying to, you know, position themselves on a, you know, kind of a Switzerland platform. This is what Arant sort of helps them do. And then from there, kind of figure out how they're going to have to play in a number of these big ecosystems that are emerging. Um, the problem is there's not just one ecosystem, right? It's very, um, it, you know, HomeKit is obviously one, but there's, you know, two, three, four others, especially as you start to think about the retailer ecosystems like Lowe's Iris that will also be present in this space. So I think, um, you know, that just adds more time to the development as the manufacturers sort of thoughtfully figure out how they're going to participate, how much information they're going to share, and how they're going to support these additional ecosystems. Yeah, and if you look at, for example... Um, Ecobee, they were kind of put in a tough place because they just launched the Ecobee 3 not too long ago. And all these people with Ecobee 3s in their house are going, well, I want these to work with HomeKit. And, 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 and Ecobee kind of has to shrug their shoulders to go, sorry guys, you know, this doesn't have the specialized chip that we needed for HomeKit in it. So it's not really backwards compatible. It's not just a software. Yeah. Yeah. You have the Osborne 2 problem. I don't know if anyone remembers the Osborne computer, (laughs) but, um, um, you know, you're putting out a product that, you know, the nice part about IoT is in, in the past, the really good companies have been able to sort of, um, you know, b- uh, download new software to their devices to give them additional uh, additional functionality. Or, you know, they've been able to, you know, on, on systems like Arant, they've been able to, you know, since a lot of the heavy lifting is being done in the cloud, they've been able to sort of, you know, change the cloud software or, or provide more APIs to connect more ecosystems together. Anytime there's a hardware change required in order to participate in an ecosystem, it, it adds more friction. Um, and, and obviously it creates products that just, you know, simply can't be upgraded because you have to put a new chip on the board. Yeah. And you talked about there's only a couple companies that really had everything come together and make it work to where they can actually have a product like right out of the gate or like at least on Apple's website as it stands right now. And so. Uh, Insteon is one of those because what they created is just a whole entirely new product, which was a bridge, a br- Insteon to HomeKit bridge. Mm-hmm. Lutron also. What I kind of like about it, uh, what these guys are doing is I feel like they're onboarding and creating kind of these new kits. Mm-hmm. I mean, typically you wouldn't expect uh, Lutron to be something that 
someone could go buy a kit for and on board with fairly easily. But I think that's what HomeKit is doing to a certain degree. I, I think so. I, I think, um, you know, I think that a lot of the manufacturers are probably looking at HomeKit to solve especially some some local control problems, be, you mean, be compatible with that in-the-house ecosystem. Um, many of the manufacturers that we work with or we speak to are also very interested in having their own channels back to the internet to, to provide things like error codes and to support their smart service, which are, you know, maybe more difficult to do or you may not want to tie to a particular ecosystem. So I think we see a lot of these hybrid products where they have, you know, HomeKit support, but they may also have other ways that they connect back to the cloud to share other information as well. You talked about a couple of the the big platforms that you have to be compatible with uh, works with Nest is one of those probably. And, and mm-hmm. we have a, a big presser coming next week. It leaked out that, or they actually sent out invitations for June 17th. So they're going to be announcing some news. And this past week it leaked out uh, through FCC filings that they have a new camera that has Bluetooth on it, Wi-Fi, as well as dot one five dot four, which is the foundation for Zigbee. Um, do you think a lot about uh, the Nest products? I mean, I think, I feel like, in general, Nest products, they all, they're all a little bit long in the tooth in terms of like they haven't really refreshed the product line for a while. So mm-hmm. I feel like this next week they're going to do a lot of refreshes on the existing stuff and maybe introduce some new things. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, if, I think if we'd gone back to, you know, how we were talking about Nest maybe uh, two years ago, you know, you know, the fact there was a Zigbee, Zigbee chip in it, you know, was that going to be the, the hub of the smart home or something similar? And then you saw, you know, particularly with the API releases from Google, um, this, uh, I, I would say more, uh, more, more Googleish approach where they were really trying to get the works with Nest program where they, where they bridged into a lot of the other manufacturers' clouds and actually, uh, had some real success with that, particularly some success with our customers like Whirlpool. If you were at CES, Whirlpool did an announcement with them that way. And I think there's a lot of fire in that approach. Um, it's probably because it's got that cloud to cloud connection. It seems to be easier for them to get traction um, than the than the hard design that uh, that that has to work with the works with now that with the Apple HomeKit strategy. Um, but I I think that um, I really like the openness that we see in terms of getting these cloud to cloud connections going through because it's really as you mentioned before it's really really hard to change the hardware in these products. It's really really hard to. Uh, create new versions that may have design cycles of 12 months or more. Um, so I think some of the really exciting fast stuff that we see are the stuff that's happening at the API and the cloud level to sort of put these ecosystems together. You said they got more Googleish when they got acquired and they came out with works. And that's, I think the most Googleish of all is the, uh, the weave uh, approach. Um, mm-hmm. when they do that. And that's actually, it seems like that is actually going to potentially spread pretty quickly. Um, uh, because it it doesn't require any hardware, it's it sits above uh, the fine Mac layer, and so like that, and that's pure software. There's no chips required. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. I mean, obviously, that's a different group inside Google, right. and Google's Google obviously obviously has been uh, known to have competing projects in different parts of its organization. Um, so, uh, you, you know, as that sort of came out with the Brillo and the other pieces and, and the other technologies there, we'll see where that kind of weaves in. Um, I think nice they're the, still nice figuring out. Nice use the word there, by the way. What's that? Nice, nice, nice use of the word weave there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we'll see where they sort of fit together, but I think that, uh, most of the action that we see right now sort of takes into account that the home land is a bit of a mess. 
Um, there's probably the forces of divergence in the home are a little bit stronger right now than the forces of convergence. If we look at all the competing standards from all join to thread to right, right, right. Uh, Zigbee to Z-Wave to you know to Bluetooth, you know being a being a very viable um, um, home networking standard now. Um, so I think that you know uh, you know our prediction is that probably most of the interesting compatibility that sort of breaks a lot of the products out of their silos are really going to be at the cloud level, just because we can innovate so much faster there. And talk a little, talk a little bit about that cloud to cloud. Yeah, integration because yeah. that's like I think you're right. I think that's going to become more important. Yeah, well, this is the power of APIs, right? I mean, if you look at how productive teams can be up in the cloud in terms of you know working with, in the case of like a rant, these you know virtualized device models and creating these sort of API connections to others' API connections, um, it's just so much faster to innovate there, and it's so much easier to add new functionality to products and to solve problems. You know, you can probably go about 10 times faster there than you can go if you have to individually climb into every product and rewire it to support uh, some new initiative. And the fact that there are, you know, big gorillas slugging it out over which initiative will win probably means for the next three to four years, at least, we're going to have, you know, you know uh, multiple important ecosystems that are out there. And so, you know, the cloud is kind of the, the, you know, the fastest, most practical way to solve that solution in order to have these products work well together. Well, Gorilla Slugging Out is good for the podcast business, though. So it gives me, <laughs> it gives me something to talk about for the oh, next yeah. three or four you'll, years. Oh, yeah. You'll have grist for your <laughs> I want to talk about the June Smart Oven um, because I think it's it's going to be a nice segue to talking about what you know some of the things you're doing in the appliance space. You mentioned Whirlpool, but you know in the a space that some of my listeners know I've been following uh, mm-hmm. closely, the Smart Kitchen, the, G- mm-hmm. the June Oven came out this week. It's called the June Intel- Intelligent Oven. There's an interesting backstory, so that's interesting with a couple of co-founders that came out of Apple and they came out of a came out of a path, so kind of tech entrepreneurs they right. had seven million dollars of funding 22 engineers and two years later after after a very secretive project they came out with an oven mm-hmm. and a lot of people go an oven but it's a really cool oven it's got a yeah. camera inside and i guess i still can't believe in 2015 no one had really had that point of view before from a camera perspective looking down at whatever you're baking that's probably because no one had figured out how to not get the camera to, to melt <laughs> um but there's lots of other things right it's got uh Internal probes, so kind of high, what you would have in a high-end restaurant, um, and it's got you know really interesting, uh, I guess, fast heating elements. Now, a lot of people will criticize this. Go, why would I pay fifteen hundred dollars in beta and then three thousand dollars for something that goes on a countertop? Um, mm-hmm. I feel like they're they're. That makes a lot of sense for, for people who don't want to be the ultra-early alpha adopters. But I, I think the bigger trend is, okay, this is a sign of things to come five years from now. This will be in KitchenAid ovens, right, or, or, or whatever, Wolf ovens. Right, right. And, and, I mean, also a lesson to the big manufacturers. I think there was a number of the large manufacturers that kind of looked at products like Nest, or, you know, going after smoke alarms and thermostats and going, well – you can go after the little white boxes that are easy to build, but as soon as it, you know, as soon as you have to bend sheet metal, you know, we're protected and we'll innovate at our own speed. And so now you see these next, uh, you know, these next line of startups that are going after, you know, the big guys um, uh, with, you know, with appliances. So I think that means that everyone's going to have to move very, very quickly uh, in order to be able to be, you know, remain competitive. And there is the ability for small companies to disrupt some of the large players if the large players don't have a real innovation strategy around IoT. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought of it that way where they were, they were kind of looking at, oh, oh, sure, you can do a thermostat. 
this little white box. You could do a smoke alarm, but like when you when you go and bend metal, that's a bigger deal. I mean, mm-hmm. you kind of feel like they were being a little bit complacent because they felt that was a bigger barrier to entry. Well, I think anyone that was kind of hoping that you know their worst competitor would be the guy they've been slugging it out for with thirty years for it now has to kind of open their eyes a little bit and say, no, 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 there can be small, fast companies um, going after this space. So I think. You know, I, I think the smart ones always knew there could be startups that emerge here, but um, but I think it's a real wake up call to everyone that you know you're safe nowhere, right? Connectivity is creating this you know this, this wave of disruption that can kind of upend business models that have been around for a very very long time. So you'd better you know you know not only put your program together, but also be in kind of a Silicon Valley gear in terms of your pace of innovation and your 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 attention to quality around that connected experience. Otherwise, you're going to be in real trouble. Well, you work with some of these big guys who now have to pay attention to the little guys. And and you mentioned earlier that you're working with Whirlpool. And one of the reasons I was super excited to talk to you with, with you today is you are working like with these appliance makers. So mm-hmm. um, talk a little bit about this this process where you, you go in there. These guys have been probably working for the same kind for 25 years. They got the job out of college. Um, they've been making the same white box and hasn't changed really, really for the past quarter century. And now they have to add internet, add some internet on it. Um, and now they have to worry about these different protocols. I mean, are these, yeah. convers- are these conversations difficult for them? Or are they excited? Uh, well, I mean, they're both excited, right? I mean, this, come on, if you've been in a white goods company, this is the most exciting project to come along in the last like 10, 15 years, right? You really want to be on this project. Um, now the scary part is that it's going to involve a lot of core competencies that you don't necessarily have, right? I mean, you're probably not used to building cloud at Google scale, right? You know, you know, so serving, you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of appliances. You know, Whirlpool does 60 million appliances a year. Um, the other part is, you know, you've got to very, very quickly get up to speed with, you know, what you're going to build from scratch internally and what you're going to buy. Um, so, and, and obviously at a rant, we have a, you know, we're biased. We think you probably shouldn't start with, you know, rubbing two sticks together, but build on top of a mature, uh, scalable platform that's already been proven in, 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 uh, in big devices. Um, but the other thing you have to do if you're that manufacturer is realize that almost every single department, once you get serious about connected products and IOT is going to have to change. Um, your service department's going to have to change, right? You can't just... You know, pick up the, you know, pick up the phone and, you know, get a call in that something's not working and ask the customer, well, is it connected or not? Can you unplug it? You're really going to want to be proactive around that. Understand when things are going wrong and reach out to customers. Uh, your whole engineering department changes, right? You're talking about, you know, downloading firmware to, you know, hundreds of thousands or, you know, perhaps millions of appliances in the field. Um, your marketing changes, right? All of a sudden, you're much closer to these customers. You have the ability to be more, you know, part of their lives and 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 delight them with, you know, with with thoughtful features, um, and uh, and and protect them. You know, you know, when they leave their stove on, you can be part of the, uh, you know, part of the heroes that you know allow them to turn it off when they leave their home. Um, so I think those sorts of transformations are not just about technology, which obviously, uh, all right, right? Excuse me. Mm. But also, um, but also around, uh, the, uh, uh, the people and the teams and how those teams are organized that are be able to put this together for those big manufacturers. I can't help but think of the Maytag repairman, like that classic commercial growing up, like that guy. And now someone's got to do the, the Maytag repairman 
addition of this kind of new generation of smart devices. So is he sitting in a data center somewhere? You know, it's like, yeah, but he's sitting in the, yeah, but now he's the Terminator, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. And so now, I mean, he's plugged in and he's sitting there and saying, I know you're on vacation. It looks like your refrigerator is not working right now. When you get home, don't, don't, you know, don't eat the chicken salad. And we've got yeah. somebody that knows exactly what the problem is and will have the part. And they'll arrive the same day that you arrive so that you're back in business. Oh, I think I don't think either of us are, are admin because I think if you start to bring Terminator into the equation to consumers, we're going to scare them all away. <laughs> and they're not going to buy these connected devices. So, Right, right. But I think the expectations as a consumer, um, you know, as we all have these smartphones and our lives start to start yeah. to revolve around these connected products, you know, that bar is going to get pretty high. Uh, in terms of, you know, you know, how much you're willing to put up with a stupid connected product, right? You're really going to want the organization to really understand that it's now in some ways kind of a service company. I mean, that's the transformation that, that needs to sort of occur if you're going to be the, in the best in the world. Uh, you need to think about, you know, the fact that, you know, your app team is probably never done, right? They're going to be continually improving your, your application experience on, you know, your Android or iPhone customer, for your Android iPhone customers. Your, uh, you know, your marketing team is going to have to work in a whole new way to, to, to figure out ways to sort of surprise and delight and engage these customers, um, so that you can learn really quickly and build products that they really like, that, that, you know, that delight them that they'll choose over the competition. So it's a lot of change in a very short period of time in order for these manufacturers to do this. But, you know, that's the best part in the world about working at Arayant. You know, we're the platform that helps these big brands make that change. You talked about, uh, the dumb white goods. And I think it's become like kind of a joke in the industry about the internet refrigerator, like, cause it's, they've been trying it the same mm-hmm. for like the past decade or more. And it's, it is kind of the poster child for like, okay, how, uh, you know, bad ideas gone awry. And so is there some, I mean, is there some skepticism in the white goods space because there's been the, you know, they have been trying to figure out like the internet connected fridge, which by the way, we can have a conversation about that because that category is getting interesting. I think they're finally starting to get it right. But oh my lord, yeah, yeah, yeah. But one more um, person puts Pandora on a fridge. I'm going to scream. Yeah, yeah. So um, and right. I, I mean, you want you want uh, you want a nice little shelf to put your to put your uh, the, the, your old tablet on at best. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you're you're. I mean, tell me about. It. I mean, it, it, we're because there's been a lot of bad ideas. So you could tell me your favorite bad ideas, but also they do they really need to do this, even though there's been a lot of bad attempts. Well, I mean, here's the thing you have to understand about our homes, right? I mean, our homes are really something that's very sacred to us. And when you, when you sell something like a refrigerator, those things are in your house for 10 plus years. So in many ways, you have to think about, you know, the technology that goes in them in a much more careful way. You know, what's not going to look old 10 years from now? And, and I think what we see in the industry that's a real big mistake is that everyone wants to throw big computers at these appliances and sort of turn them into, you know, these general purpose router, refrigerator, you know, refrigerator things uh, that, you know, have all these functions on Frankensteins. Them. Right, right. Where, where in reality, we don't let things like that in our home. You know, what we really want is we want these very simple fridges that have the ability to sort of um, you know, have connectivity and project their capability to the cloud, but then be simple enough and secure enough. This is another big piece so that they've got the requisite technology that's going to last and last reliably for 10 years. Um, I mean, imagine if every appliance that came into your home had the same, you know, reliability profile of the router, right? 
that's an example of, of us bringing computers into your home and, and letting them run amok. You know, how often did you have to reboot that thing or did it not work correctly? So I think in, in general, I think we really need this approach towards elegance in the appliances themselves and then really harness like the power of the cloud in order to be able to have them connect and have them, you know, you know, uh, do things like, you know, a lot of the, the smart energy features to save you electricity on money on your electricity. But a lot of those algorithms can really be up in the cloud where we can protect them and where we can, you know, uh, we can handle that kind of complexity. If it's in every single one of our appliances, ch- the chances that that will go wrong or that'll get hacked or, um, or, or, or quite frankly, it'll just disappoint the users and won't improve quick enough is really there. So I think that, you know, carrying that flag for simple in the device and then bring the power of the cloud in is really where we've positioned Durant. So where is this stuff going to like make sense to the average consumer first? I mean, cause I think like a lot of people look at like the June oven and say, okay, that's an ultra early adopter thing. I do think that becomes like those types of features down the line, five years, maybe could be 10 years becomes, that's going to be common. So, but I mean, based on your conversations with these big guys, do you see this type of stuff? Like we saw in the June, that seems really futuristic. Do you see that coming to the, the old school appliances uh, within the next five years? Uh, I do. I do. I think, I think the, you know, the, I think it's very important to get the ones that really resonate with customers first. Um, so, I mean, in that case, it's really around a lot of, you know, around the things that keep me and my home safe, you know, is my food going bad in my refrigerator, right? You know, am I going to lose all my meat in my freezer because it's, you know, because I don't have power there anymore. Uh, did I leave my cooktop on, right? That's the, that's a cause, you know, leading cause for fires in the home. So having that sort of safety and security blanket around and, and the ability to sort of use your smartphone to kind of help you. Um, understand that your home is safe is probably where we're going to see the most resonance early on with consumers. And then the next part is really going to be around politeness. Like a lot of these appliances that pretend I don't have a smartphone or pretend I live in, you know, I live in the, you know, a, a world a decade ago or so aren't going to seem very uh, polite to me compared to the ones that sit there and say, look, I know your, I know your uh, washing machine is down in your basement. It, it, can buzz, but you're not going to hear it. You know, your, your, your clothes are just going to get moldy because you keep forgetting them. Or maybe that's just me that does that. Um, but you know, those little pieces, like I'll go ahead and send you a push notification to let you know that, you know, your, your, your wash loads down and it's time to switch things to a dryer. Just those little pieces like that, um, that sort of, you know, help understand that technology is now a big part of our lives. And if it can be done very easily and understandably and, and, and thoughtfully, um, it creates just flat, better products. All right, Shane. Now let's talk a little bit about your company. You, you guys have been doing this IoT thing for a long time. When did you guys start? Uh, tell us a little bit of your backstory. Oh my lord! Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously we're a uh, uh, you know a couple of geeks that started this out of Stanford uh, quite a while ago. You know, our first products were on the network in like 2007 or so, and Arant really has, uh, in terms of scale of hundreds of thousands, scaling to millions of devices on the network today. And what we're what really distinguishes us is we're the platform that works with the biggest brands in the world. So we provide, you know, the software that goes inside those appliances, and then we also operate all the cloud services that connect them, including the technologies that power, like, their mobile applications. And a big part of that today is also connecting to the other ecosystems that are out there, um, whether that's work with Nest or HomeKit or the others that go through. And so um, um, so we're really helping these manufacturers sort of chart that, uh, that course from unconnected products to connected products and really help them take advantage of those connected customers. Now you called yourself a Switzerland 
platform. And mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting, maybe apt uh, term, but it sounds like you're also this company that would help these guys integrate and onboard on, onto the world of HomeKit, onto the world of these other guys. I mean, can you be that third-party integrator uh, or do they need to kind of work direct with these guys? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one, one thing that we've worked on very hard or like um, as an example, and I think is um, um, integrations with third parties, for example, like works with Nest. So on our platform today, uh, a customer can kind of go through and throw a light switch and and be able to have the uh, be able to connect the the works with Nest functionality into their product. And I think we're going to do you know more and more of those as time goes on. But we'll also have APIs so that others can develop those plugins um, to you know to our platform going forward. Um, the the um, the piece here is that really it's it, it's impossible for a manufacturer to just pick one ecosystem and say, well, you know, the whole world is going to revolve around that particular ecosystem, and I could ignore the others. And so that creates a real, real problem on how to make that technology work well together, and how to have maybe one SKU or one connected product that can participate in multiple ecosystems. And that's the problem that Iran solves. Now you you mentioned before Whirlpool. Who are some of your other big customers that you can name? Oh, um, so Sylvania, Osram Sylvania, one of the world's largest um, uh, consumer um, uh, lighting companies in the world. Uh, so a great product called Lightify that's now in Europe and just launching in the U.S. Um, you know, it has you know great price points, but also really high you know lots of different SKUs that go across. Um, companies like uh, 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 Salus in the UK and the others to go through, you know, the number two uh, thermostat company there. So a number of thermostat projects that are coming out in that area. Uh, Chamberlain, the garage door company that does the, all the LiftMaster and Chamberlain garage doors are out there are all powered on the Iran platform. You're in a lot of places. Yeah. Things and, are going and, well? Yeah. Well, the part that we're really seeing now is that the consumers are buying these products. And I think that um, we're starting to see, like, uh, if you look at how the how the normal consumer is adopting smart home, they're buying these products first, and then figuring out how they might work together. And so, as technologists and and as as people that provide an Internet of Things platform like Arant, it's up to us to be in front of them to make all this you know to make all this work together well. And so that's the exciting challenge, and that's what we're really driving towards. Hey Shane, thanks a lot for spending some time with me. Where can people find out more about Arant? Oh, uh, go to our website. So that's uh, www.arant.com. That's Uh, A-R-R-A-Y-E-N-T.com. A-R-R-A-Y-E-N-T.com. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, Michael. It's such a pleasure. Well, that's it. That's my conversation with Shane Dyer. I hope you learned a little bit about what they do. Also, a little bit about some of the challenges of making white goods and appliances that normally aren't smart, smart. And that's what Shane lives and breathes every day. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Make sure you tune in next week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me at Michael Wolf and subscribe to us if you haven't already. All right, folks, we'll talk to you soon.